back, folks. Good to have you with us here on the Mark Steiner Show and your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. <coughs> Sorry, folks. <coughs> I'm back. I got water. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Before we jump into this conversation, I'll remind you, the Mark Steiner Show and conversations like this are brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union. Offering a full range of financial services, MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union, has been helping its members and its community prosper for the last 80 years. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. Remember, it's a credit union, not just a bank. belongs to you. Money comes back in the end. More information at www.mecu.com or at steinershow.org is Miku, Baltimore Credit Union's banner. So we're all very well aware of what happened just the other night uh, in Manchester, England, uh, and the extremist bombing that took place there. Uh, Taking credit was um, ISIS. Um... And there's some weird synergy here happening in this world between groups like that and the conservative right-wing governments that seem to be taking over and why these things are connected. But the, So it's unleashing these things in some ways, not blaming them, but unleashing them because of the rhetoric and more. Um, and I thought also, maybe we've talked about this in the air, many of you don't agree with this, and we want to hear from you as well at 410-319-8888. But there, and we talked about this even before Donald Trump won the election, which is the way the election campaign, the rhetoric of that campaign, unleashing uh, the uh, hate groups in America, unleashing racist groups in America, feeling that they now had the freedom to do as they will. Um, And we've seen it over and over again. We heard stories on the program yesterday uh, two days ago, and we talked a bit about this uh, when it came up on the air. Uh, one woman called in, talked about how she was driving down the highway here in Baltimore, uh, pulled over in Linthicum on the highway uh, because a light came on her car and she had to stop and see what was going on. A pickup truck drove past her with three white men in the truck. Uh, one of them threw out his middle finger while somebody yelled, uh, we can't, won't use any of the words uh, on the air, but you effing NB. You know what that was. Uh, uh, one of our guests, Dana Moore, talked about being mistaken for a Latina woman in the grocery store, had a woman hit her in the stomach with her grocery cart, telling her to leave the country. Wow. Um, and then, of course, so these things are happening across the nation. And then we had a tragedy here uh, in our own state, Richard Collins III just about to graduate from Bowie State College, was going to be commissioned a second lieutenant in the United States Army, uh, visiting friends in College Park, was stabbed to death waiting on a bus stop by a man named Sean Christopher Urbanski, who had been connected to all these hate groups on Facebook. Uh, Of course, Richard Collins III is African-American and was stabbed to death. Uh, And as one of our guests said in a Facebook post, Sam Holmes said that, you know, if this had been a Muslim American stabbing a white man on or anybody on a corner, it would have been front page news. Instead, around the country, it's second and third page news. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, so we're going to wrestle with that. And with your help today at 410-319-8888, you can write to us here at talk at steinershow.org by email. You can tweet us at Mark Steiner. We are joined in the house by once again by Dr. Kay Whitehead. Kay Whitehead is always a frequent guest in the show. uh, And... 
guest host, associate professor of communication of African and African American studies at Loyola University of Maryland, author of many, many books, including My Black Sons Raising Boys in a Post-Racial America, apropos for this conversation here today. Uh, Sam Christian Holmes, who's a community artist and activist and also a family friend, so let me put that disclaimer out there as well. Um, and Chris Merriman, uh, who is freelance writer, former executive director of Bikemore Baltimore Graduate University of Maryland College Park, and was my intern many, lo, these many years ago <laughs> at another radio station. So, <laughs> we shall remain nameless. <laughs> so, um, let's begin. So, what 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 does this conjure up? And Sam, you have not been on the show in a long time, so talk. Let me let you begin. You know, Mark, I was um, uh, reflecting on all of the things that were going on around around the world the other day, and then I I uh, I go to a graduation. I come home from the graduation. It was Saturday, you know, big day for graduations all over the all over the state. I come home and I hear this story about a kid being stabbed. And something about that story bugged me. I could feel that story didn't have the ending that I wanted to hear. And um and of course, you know, the next day the police finally put out that that this was a hate crime. And I think I posted that that day, uh, this, I had a feeling this story was more than what we, what we thought. Um, and it really got to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was telling uh, some of the folks here in the green room that um, I think because I got a son in college right now, maybe I, I it, it hit me a little harder than it normally would. But then I thought about it, you know, you know, it's about time that we uh, uh, call this what it is. It's about time that we just stop accepting this kind of behavior, um, that this is terrorism. What we saw in 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 um, England was terrorism. Um, that these are the same kinds of things, and we we you know we need to to just call it. We need to say this is it. And, this should be the last one. It should be. It won't be. He won't. It, maybe he won't be. You know. It won't be. I mean, but that's the problem we're facing right now, Chris. I mean, and you are a graduate, right? University of Maryland College Park. Yes, I was. Um I have a history degree from University of Maryland, graduated in 2004, and um, I was, um, you know, I, I lived on campus not, not too far from, from where Mr. Collins was, was killed, and um, I saw, uh, I, I was just immediately, it hit, hit home for me, especially just because I had, I had gone there and, uh, you know, and, and because I, I'm white and I, I felt a... Uh, an obligation, I think, to to speak out against this in particular. Um, so I, I kind of, in the moment, I wrote up a, a letter uh, to the president uh, of the university, President Wallace Lowe, and um, I'm happy to read some of it if you if you'd like, or, or we can move on from that. But a uh, what what it basically said was that we not we we need to not only speak out against a murder of a of a promising young man. You know, because I think we use a lot of euphemisms with this to, to avoid getting at the the core of the issue, which is that white supremacy is still functioning within our society and that we need to call it out. And 
as a white person, I think we have a, a special responsibility to call it out when we see it and say that this is not right because black people have been talking about this for as long as they've been in America, but we, we, need, to, we, need, to, we need to speak out. Dr. Whitehead. Um, this was particularly difficult for me. I have to say that I think that they're all hard to wrestle with. I mean, we're not at a new place. We are at the same place. Um, and there are times when we like to fool ourselves into believing that we have moved beyond this place. We're at the same place where we were with Trayvon Martin, the same place with Tamir Rice, the same place with Rakia Boyd and Ayanna Jones. It's the same place. It's what white supremacy looks like when it's played out across this nation. It is a young black man who's in his house who gets shot because they kick in the wrong door. It's a young black girl laying on the couch. The cops come in. The grandmother says you're at the wrong address. They don't care. And a shot goes out shooting and killing a six-year-old girl laying on the couch. It is a 12-year-old boy playing out in the park by himself in a gazebo getting shot in less than two seconds by a police officer. It is, you know, a white woman who's going back to work today who shoots Terrence Crutcher because she was afraid for her life. And, you know, she was found now guilty. She's back on a desk job. It is the same thing. We can wrap it and cloak it and say, well, it's because we have what's, you know, Donald Trump has given the permission for all these things to take place. It was under the Barack Obama administration that we saw the rise of this. What someone has most eloquently called what we see white lash. Even though your guest said we've been talking about this since the since we first arrived in this country, I think is what he said. I, I would disagree with that a bit. I think we start talking about the deep roots of racism and the way it's played out. It doesn't go back to the beginning of this country. We really start thinking about coming out of the Civil War and out of Reconstruction. We really start seeing the enacting of the Jim Crow laws and the deep ways in which the white community in power, the extent in which they would go to to keep blacks in inferior positions and to keep them as the underclass. Then this is kind of the same conversation. So, uh, but let me, let me push a little bit on that, and then we, we will open the phone to you. Folks, do not hang up on us. I promise I'll get your calls. Um, we're going to get you at 410-319-8888. Clarence, you're the first caller up. We'll get you in a few moments. If we have to go to news break, we'll get you as soon as we come back from the news break. But, but um, I agree. But, to, but analytically, I look at this and say something new is being unleashed here. Mm-hmm. New in the sense that... Um, the attacks, verbal assaults, not by officialdom, but by citizen to citizen, is what we're seeing a rise in. And I think that is, the, the, to me, the unleashing of, of the alt-right hate groups is the scary part in this. That we're, the frightening part is seeing what is about to, what is erupting is on a different level. Now, I just want to say two points, and of course I, I won't hog the floor. You're not letting me co-guest host with you today, although I'd love to at all times. So instead, (laughs) speaking as a guest, I just have two issues that I like to put on the floor. One is that I remember being called the N-word. I mean, you know, I I hate using the euphemistic term, the N-word, because we all say the N-word, but we all know what we're thinking when we say it. You know, back when I was four, five, and six years old growing up, you know, in in Columbia, South Carolina, spending the summers there and having, you know, trucks full of white guys riding by, throwing beer bottles at me and calling me. And I was afraid then. We didn't call it alt-right. We just call, you know, the cake, the sons of the KKK members, the guy that I buy my bread from, this is his son, and so I can buy my bread Monday through Friday from Mr. Tillery and just not see him on Saturday nights because then he has the white sheets on. So I don't see there's a rise. I just see Mm. the fact it's now becoming front page news. And the second thing, and I I typically talk about this, you you know my work, 
I'm raising two black boys in America. And so I've been fearful from day one. I have a lot of colleagues who said when they realized that they were having a boy, they actually started crying. You know, they were excited about being a mother, but there was also this fear of knowing what it means to try and raise a black boy to adulthood and beyond in this country. So it is not a new fear. It is not a new thing. Richard Collins III is where I want my sons to be, being commissioned. I think that we saw, oh, you know, he's a good kid. He had good grace. I don't care about that. What I care about is that it was a black man in America shot and uh, stabbed and killed for no reason other than the fact that he was black. I don't care about his grace. I don't care what he did on the weekends. I don't care, you know, who his friends were and whether or not he sold drugs, went to school, was in the army. It doesn't matter. He got stabbed for no reason other than being black. Here, here. But, 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 you know, there's, there's still, I don't want to ignore the fact that there's been a repackaging of this, this, this white supremacy. Um, and everyone seems to be trying to normalize white yeah. supremacy. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, for a while here, it, it was like we, we were all fighting against it in a sense. It was not, it was not common for someone to get in front of a crowd of people and they raise their hands in Hitler salutes, <laughs> yeah. you know, and now you now you're seeing that and it's normalized. You know, I, I like what the kids are doing. The kids on the campuses are saying, you know what? We'll go ahead and punch him in the face, <laughs> you know, and and as as bad as that sounds, I'm for it. Um. I, maybe we we're getting it wrong in a, in an older generation of thinking that we can uh, somehow weed this out somehow we could breathe this out somehow we can um, work this work this through, mm-hmm. but it has to stop again. You know, I keep saying this got to be the last one. Well, uh, uh, we have to take a short break. We'll come right back, Chris Merriam and and folks, uh, Clarence, the first caller up. We're going to come to your call at 410-319-8888 after this very quick news break. We're here with Sam Holmes, <laughs> Dr. K. Whitehead, and Chris Merriam as we explore and talk about the tragedy in College Park and more and what it means for us as a society. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show with Dr. K. Whitehead from Loyola University, Maryland. Sam Christian Holmes, community artist and activist. Chris Merriam, freelance writer at Graduate University of Maryland College Park. And you all are 410-319-8888. Clarence, you're on the air. Good morning. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. Thank you, Chris. You know, um, it's the perfect time for the federal government to step up. Um, yeah, right. Under... under <laughs> um, under 351 of, of 18 U.S.C., it clearly states that this, um, in, in some language you could read it as an act of terrorism, but it covers all federal employees, including Supreme Court justices, and it clearly states military person, personnel. So the feds could pick that up without even arguing or investigating whether or not it's a hate crime or not. It was military personnel. They could pick it up immediately. Thank you. Thank you. Call, Caller makes a great point uh, in, 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 in pointing out that um, this was a military kid because I know that if this was a white soldier mm-hmm. that got killed Absolutely. on the streets of of America, um, that we'd we'd be calling for a day in mourning. We'd we'd probably have a week in mourning. 
um, Trump would be, you know, he, he, even though he's on a trip out outside of the country, would be talking about this um, uh, ad nauseum. Especially if the killer was a Muslim. Yeah, yeah, especially if he was a Muslim. But 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 instead, you know, we're not even hearing anything about yeah. this about this kid. Locally, we are, right. and locally, everybody's responding in a beautiful way. You know, I've seen a lot of people who come up to me and say, you know. Um, this really hurt, you know. This is a, this is ugly, but but the fact that this kid is, you know, a soldier, and I'm not seeing the response that I expected to see from from this. Uh, yeah, it hurts. I'm, I'm getting. I'm 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 I'm, ex- I, I'm seeing the exact response I expected from this, given the government we have right now. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that the most right wing, you know, supposedly pro military, uh, you know, administration we've had in a while. Apparently doesn't care enough about a uh, soldier getting killed uh, to to denounce it. But anyway, um, so but the letter that I wrote, just in case, I want to just throw some things out real quick. Um, my Twitter handle is uh, at uh, c h r i s underscore m e r r i a m, and the first tweet on there is the text of my letter. So if anybody wants to read that, I also think that uh, look at the Diamondback website for uh, UMD. They um, that's, co- that's University of Maryland newspaper, college, college newspaper. Right, yeah, right, right. Uh, they've they've actually done a really good job of um, summarizing a lot of uh, students' experiences with racism on campus. So yes. This is hardly a, a um, uh, an isolated incident, although it was obviously, um, you know, the first time somebody's been killed on campus in quite a while. Um, and speaking of uh, punching Nazis, which you're sort of referring to earlier, <laughs> yeah. um, which I'm for, by the way, uh, as I wrote in my in my letter, uh, you know, somebody like Richard Spencer, you know, the people, these people seem to have a very, uh, shall we say, snowflake like, um, you know, uh, antipathy towards being mislabeled you know so people say you know, whether the accused killer self-identifies as a white supremacist or a white nationalist a nazi or a neo-nazi a neo-confederate or alt-right quote-unquote the net effect is the same that these people are bigots who consider people of color lgbtq people non-christians and women to be legitimate targets for harassment discrimination and murder you know so i don't really care what the guy calls himself or what he what which particular subset of white supremacy he subscribes to you know it's the net effect is the same and i think that president Lowe needs to speak out against it and i think you should go to the diamondback site they've done some incredible work on this yeah they really have traced it all the way back i mean they have a history of of nooses on campus of people getting death threats i mean this notion of having these racist activities happening on college campuses there's a great whole piece about what that means does the college campus actually allow for these type of ideas to grow we want all ideas to be shared we want you to grow in any way you want to grow are we making the places into hotbeds where you can have these conversations you think you're you're having these racist conversations under guise of open and free space right. when really you should be monitored and check what you say now i i say that and i'm a little bit cautious because when we start talking about having campuses begin to check what students can and cannot talk about well i think that's also a problem in another way because then you begin to check students who are speaking out you know for black lives matter who begin to speak out for the rights of the LGBTQ community. Like when you start talking about having some type of accountability, it can go too far in the right 
the wrong direction. My concern is, and that's a, a comment you made earlier about how the government is not responding to a soldier being killed. I think we need to be very clear and put the word black before the word soldier. I think Sean King yeah. in his article, we talked about the fact that America does not have a problem with the president playing golf. They have a problem with a black president playing, <laughs> playing golf. golf. Yeah, so it's not absolutely. that America is not concerned about a soldier being killed. America is not concerned about a black soldier and, and, being and, and, killed. And yes. I have to absolutely. throw in here, you know, it is America, but it's part of America. Yeah. You know, and, and when we talk about confronting Nazis and right-wingers and punching them, let me just tell folks, then you better be ready to punch back. Yeah. Get punched back. Sure. It's not, it's not a one-way, you know what I mean? So, because, you, know, you know, this is, it's so it's easy to get angry yeah. and punch somebody you don't like. But something's going to happen after. But if you, know how, yeah. if, you, if you don't know how to stir, trust me, some of these boys do. On the uh, who are alt writers, and so it's you, oh yeah, you, they you, practice. So it's yeah. not like you know. Yeah. So so yeah. So we have to figure out what is. I mean, what what is a response? And is that and, really a response we should put on the table? That you know that the response is oh you need to think about punching because as you said sometimes you're bringing a fist to a gunfight so you get upset at something racist and you want to punch you may be moving in a different well, direction you know, and that's not well, really an option for everyone. When yeah. I when I spoke out about you know uh, noticing the kids punching. It, it, it's not that I'm advocating that that's the route that we take. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking at a response that these kids are making. And I'm, I'm saying to them, uh, well, we didn't get it right. Oh, it doesn't seem like mm. we're getting it right. So I'm not ready to take anything off the table. Yeah. Who's the we that you're talking about? The, what Generation Xers, Baby Boomers? Who's no, the we? No, America. America. Okay. America. As a whole. We, yeah, we okay. have not gotten it right. And 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 when I look at these crowds that are on these campuses going in and doing the fight, I'm actually not seeing a black response doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a white response. When I see the this group black mask and the, and the mask come down yeah. while they're out there swinging. Well, the anarchist groups. The yeah, the black anarchist groups. So, so, it's, yeah. you know, let, it's, let, let, me, let me get a call in here. We'll come right back in here. 410-319-8888. Len, you're on the air. Welcome. Oh, uh, thank you. I just wanted to toss out a thought for the fine panel. Um, there has been, obviously, a, a, a major increase in these incidents of individuals and not police forces exerting, you know, exercising this kind of violence. Should we be also anticipating? We haven't had an urban rebellion yet under this administration. Should we be anticipating that when that happens, and it inevitably will, that there could be a coordination in surrounding mostly white counties between, um, you know, some of the organized right-wing forces and the police forces and a rise of vigilante justice? where we're not talking about punching somebody in the face, we're cool. talking about something much more serious. So I, I just wanted to toss that out. Thank you. Len, I think you raised a really very critically important point. Well, I, I wonder if, uh, or, or in addition to his point, should it be an urban response? Why can't the response uh, come from a place that we're not expecting it? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think with the anarchy groups, anarchist groups that is a point that we're not expecting you know when i look at these so, kids and they take off the mask 
So I mean, so I, I want to come back to the heart of this, though. So, so, so I think I think we are in a place in America that we're at a, a critical point, and I think a point that could we could see things falling apart um, with a very different view of who we are as a people. This is just the, this is just the kind of pinnacle of it. This is this is you know, and of what we just saw happen to that young man in College Park. So I mean, so when you when you when you contemplate this, when you talk to your students, when you talk to your friends. Mm-hmm. What are you saying, Chris Marion? What are you saying, Kay, to your students and, and people around you and, and other people? What are you saying to your, to your to your friends in your world, Chris, about this? Well, I, I mean, I think that there's a, a wide range of opinions, um, especially among among my my white friends, uh, about what the proper response to this is. Because you know, I think there's there's people who are more radical and who are on the you know the Nazi punching end of it end of things, which is sort of. Uh, um, you know, one one far far to the side, but there's other people who are just like, well, we need more dialogue, and we need more, you know, we need more understanding, and oh, maybe we need to reach out to these people and and educate them. And you know, honestly, I don't know if it's about educating. I I think there's something weird about. I mean, this, this has always been racism and white supremacy has always been dormant within these white communities. You know, it never went away, and I think a big part of that. Um, is that we never had a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. We never had a, a, a truly public reckoning with our history in this country. So people believe wildly different things about the realities of American history. And, you know, the Internet has only worsened that in, in a sense because, you know, everybody can get in their own bubbles and, and only talk to people who they, they agree with and find the sources that that confirm their pre-existing beliefs. So, you know, if you want to believe that, you know, the Confederacy was right to to secede and, uh, you know, that that Reconstruction was 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 actually a, a disaster instead of, a you know, a second American revolution, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you believe that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group, you know, you can find enough people online to 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 undergird that. And it's um, I don't know the answer, obviously, but um, I think that's a big part of it is that we're it's so so easy to manufacture your own reality in America, especially. I think we okay. have been um, moving towards this point for a long time. Uh, when I talk to my students, and of course, uh, Loyola is no longer in session, so these are students who are emailing me now, who are saying, what, "Well, this is you what know, are they saying to you? well, they're they're emailing me. Some of them are horrified. Uh, they're concerned. They want to know when is the next protest. They want to know what would I have them to do because I've often spoken to them about bending your privilege to be actively involved. Of course, my class is a majority of white students in this Black Lives Matter course. Um, it's yeah, you know, white kids in your school though. Yes, there's yeah, a majority it's, of white kids. It's a very white school. school. It's a very white school. <laughs> it's a very white school. Uh, <laughs> and so, and within this very white school, I am teaching this course called Black Lives Matter, and students are. are wondering what we can do and that's what I talk about bending your privilege and how we as a nation we have a very long and deep history with racism and white supremacy it is probably the most inhumane thing that defines us as a nation we have not had as as, the, as you just said a minute ago we have not had a public reckoning of this I think that the internet and of course people know that I teach in both communications and history that the internet has only become a breeding ground for the kind of conversation that people used to have around their dining room table. People, I've talked to students who's, you know, their grandfather's really racist and yells out racist things at Thanksgiving or, you know, Aunt Mary, she's 70. 
she's never liked black people. She still calls them colored. Like, you know, they've all had these incidents. <laughs> well, now, you know, Aunt Mary, who's 70, and your granddaddy can get online mm-hmm. and find a whole lot of people who feel the same way. And I think this is where I would say the Trump administration, the Trump era, you know, so I will not putting it just on Trump, but the Trump era has made the leap from putting it online anonymously to just being able to say it now. You can say what you feel. Right. And, that you you know, the yeah. chips will fall where they may. There's no longer considered to be, you know, impolite to use the N-word or the S-word or whatever you want to say. Those those things are off the table because our president and this new era, so, you know, if you're feeling it, then you just need to say it. Don't hide it. As he said, you know, you're, we'll call them losers. Like, he is very clear. If he's feeling something, he says it. And there are people who are taking that. Now, I'm not saying they're following Donald Trump exactly. I'm saying they're picking up on the tone of the Trump era, and it does sprinkle down. If you look at political history, and that's not my area, I look at the you know, black history, but if you look at political history, the tone that the president and the campaign set, it does trickle down to the ways in which people act. I, I, I just to I love the fact that you there. raised your hand on oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Or> radio. <laughs> did, did I do right, right Professor? Yes. Uh, I was about to go to the phone, but go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that Donald Trump's election really brought a lot of this out of the woodwork because it's it was finally seen as okay, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I think that people gathered online. And when I went to the University of Maryland, it was 01 through 04. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this was before Facebook. This was like even be- before MySpace, for, for God's sake. You know, it's <laughs> been a long time. Um, but obviously there were racists there at the time. It's not like nobody was racist in, in 04. But right. it's... I think they've been emboldened. They've been. It's easier to to get together with people online now with Trump. They've been emboldened, and um, you know it's seen as as like anti PC, anti political correctness. Right. So it's like saying racist things is now a brave, you know, a brave expression of free speech now. You know, so it's it's sick. To the phones four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Hank, you're on the air. Welcome, Hank. How you doing, man? How you doing today, Mister Steiner? I'm very well, Hank. That these they, they, the last two statements that were made leads directly into what I'm what I was about to say. Why is it that the Spanish, the engine, and the black people are always told, "Okay, you've been done done wrong, but take the high road, be a bigger person, be a better person," right? And constantly, all you do is embolden anybody who says or does wrong to do it once again. If there is like right, like with your child. If you don't correct your child and your child has no, she does not know the limitations that he's from, right? If we do not correct these children right now by saying, hey, look, it's for all of them out of all. Hey, look, if you can call me the N-word, then I can call you the W-word, right? And we don't mean white. Or I can call you the H-word, we don't mean white. Or I can call you the R-word, and it, it, it is what it is. If you start calling racist out, and putting them out, what you call it? Yes, you are a racist. This is what you do wrong. Whether you are black, white, people poking that. When you point out racism and start pointing out publicly, right, then they have to deal with it now. They is a mile on them, right? But we are always going to get what we get because, you know what? We take the higher road. We accept it and say, okay, I was wrong for yelling at you for something that you did wrong to me. Okay. When do you? St- when do we stop it? When do we stop it? Cannabis stopped. Yes, I, I. You know, yes and no, at the same time. I, 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 
I am hopefully optimistic that there is a path to to sensibility in this country. Um, I, I like the Thurgood Marshall approach in that we legislate a certain amount of this behavior. It's got to be it's got to be directed from the government, and and the caller actually picks up on some interesting things with that. Um, he's saying we need to do this, but no, no, we as a nation, the government needs to put their foot down when when these types of things happen, and that can happen only if it's there in the in in the legislation. Well, yeah, I mean. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I just, I, I think I, I just wanted to just push back a little bit with something that your caller said. This notion that you know that we always take the high road. I think it's interesting that that has become this narrative that really defines the way in which the black community responds. You know, you do incredible, horrible acts of violence against us, and we just say, "No, we're just going to forgive you. We're just going to hold hands and sing kumbaya." I think if people study a little bit deeper, and you know this, Marcus, you were involved in these times. The black community did stand up did push back, did move in the race rides, did leave schools, did grab shotguns and stand on the front porch of their house and say, you know what, as you ride by here, KKK, you might want to ride by this house. This is not what I'm thinking about W.B. Du Bois. He did that with a shotgun on his porch saying, not my family, not tonight. So we didn't always just go, well, you know what, whatever you do to us, We'll keep turning cheeks, slap them all if you have to. That is a false narrative. We have always pushed Indeed. back against the violence that happens against us. We have made sure to try to do the best that we can to protect our families. That is a false narrative, and I think it needs to be stopped. We're not just saying, kill us, kick us, shoot us, whatever, and we'll just forgive you. No, we're saying we have the right to stand up, that that's one of the responses. One response is to pray and sing. Another response is to grab a shotgun and say, not my house, not tonight. So go ahead. I do want to, we only have like five minutes left, <laughs> and I want to try to get a call or two in here if we can. I'll, I'll just uh, jump off that and say the, the people that, the people that you know, gave up and, 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 uh, you know, are, are white people, you know, I think that after the, after the civil rights movement of the, of the sixties and seventies, I think a lot of white people said, Oh, everything's, everything's fixed now. You know, we got a voting rights act and everything's cool now. And, uh, and also why are you, why are you all still complaining? You know, cause, uh, you know, everything is fixed and we have affirmative action. It's like, well, nothing was really fixed. You know, we, we, I think as, as white people, and obviously I'm, saying more like my parents generation frankly but now it's for us to it's for us to take this forward and say look you know we've had incremental progress but things aren't that much better you know and we need to do better quick thought from the audience here 410-319-8888 let's see uh lawton you're on the air um hi hi lawton hi um yeah i'm i'm coming it's comforting in sort of a weird way that uh people are coming out Doing their hatred and how they truly feel uh, in these different mediums. I like to think that finally, finally, they can deal with their feelings and be honest. And them being honest with themselves opens them up, open themselves up for uh, greater engagement, greater conversation, even greater understanding. Um, that's my take on it. I see it's not totally a negative thing. I think it can be quite positive if we use it and engage them in their feelings and and. Um, yeah. All right. Let's appreciate the comment. Let's get one more comment here. We'll close out with our panel. All right. Uh, let's go. Sophia, you're on the air. Sophia, you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay. I called 
me before a couple of months back about this. I want to piggyback on uh, what the lady said about the black community fighting back, okay? Number one, the, the Caucasian people, when they, when they boys get six and seven, if they send them to karate school, they take them out to the shooting range to teach them how to shoot. One white boy even said on your show that even the targets they practice on are black targets, okay? And uh, not repercussion, but just a natural order of things, being that self-defense, the first law of nature, why are not we trying to teach our boys self-defense at six and seven like other cultures do so that they can have even the mentality that they are supposed to defend themselves? Every living thing has a program, program, shipping them to defend themselves. Okay, let me, let me, told let, not to do that. You would say what, Kay? I just wanted to jump in. I, I think that uh, I, I tend to have a, a problem with talking in absolutes. You know, well, that black people don't do this. There are a number, and the research bears this out, of, of black boys who are taking karate, who are learning how to defend but themselves. Not, right, right. But no, I'm just I'm saying, that's one thing I want to push off the table, that that's something that we need to start doing. That's always been done. I think a, a bigger issue that we need to wrestle with is what are the appropriate ways that we respond across the board. Not just, oh, well, they're learning, you know, white community learns karate we need black kids to learn karate as well that that doesn't fix or solve anything because that's already happening there are self-defense courses for everyone and you see it within the black community i want to get to the root of how we can train our children differently how are we reaching them at the lowest levels so that by the time they get to be 15 16 18 and 22 that their first natural response is not to push back against someone they perceive to be different from themselves but, but not just train um our children i think we yeah, have well, to train all other children. people's yeah, children, white children too. especially. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what we're talking about. Which is why, for some of us, that's why we're choosing to work at universities that are not HBCUs because we're thinking, someone, who's going to teach the ones where if we all flock to an HBCU, and I love Morgan and Bowie, and I went to Lincoln University, who's teaching the white kids at Loyola or at University of Maryland? Who's doing that? We need to have more professors of color in these environments for the teaching that you're talking about. So is, our, is our white children learning? Yeah. That's the question. <laughs> and some are. Some are. Some are. Some are. I think we forget there are more people yeah. now in this country who understand racism yes, and are. oppose it yes. than ever before in the history of America. That's True. why the change might happen where we're going to wrestle with this and get through it. So I want to thank the three of you. Kay Whitehead, always a pleasure to have you. Always a pleasure, always, Mark always. Steiner. Always a My pleasure. My sister, thank you so much. <laughs> Sam Holmes, good to have you in the house. Thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure. And Chris Marion, great to have you back in the house, man. Thank and you we'll very do much. more of this in the coming weeks. We're going to hit the ground hard in the next in the next uh, in the next uh, two months and bring you some it. shows like this and more. So keep joining us. Taking a break, we'll come back with a really interesting story that Baynard, Wood, Baynard Woods wrote uh, about police and people dying in their custody. Stay with us. <laughs> 